This episode of Full Stack Journey is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Start or grow your IT career with online IT training from IT Pro TV, and we have a special offer for Full Stack Journey listeners. Sign up and save 30% off all plans. Visit itpro.tv slash full for 30% off all plans and use promo code full at checkout. itpro.tv slash full. Good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Scott Lowe, and my goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and cloud environments. Now, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that we kind of do two different types of episodes here on the Full Stack Journey. Some of them are more focused on a particular open source project or a technology product or something of that nature. Some of them harken back to the early days of the podcast where we talk to folks about their career decisions. And that's exactly what we're gonna be doing in this episode where I am being joined by Eric. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Hey, good to be here. Nice to see you, Scott. I'm a fan of your work and I'm a fan of your podcast. So it's great to be here. Well, hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to uh, join me on the show and to kind of share, you know, your career journey, which I, I personally found just absolutely fascinating, um, seeing kind of how you went from network engineer, you know, in a classic sort of network engineering role to where you are now. I think it's just awesome. I love seeing growth um, like that, but we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, first, why don't we just have you kind of share a little bit with the listeners, you know, who you are, how they can find you online, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. Um, so thanks for thanks for inviting me, Scott. I'm uh, Like I said, I'm a fan of your work. I, I think this is a great podcast as far as, you know, giving people the full spectrum of views on uh, the turning points and a good point for reflection as well. So my name is Eric Cho. I've been a network engineer or in the, in the network industry for the last 20 plus years. I started out as traditional network engineer and gradually evolved into kind of dive into developer and, you know, design and principle, that sort of stuff. So um, just a, I'm just a geek at heart. So that's basically it. Well, awesome. Awesome. I too am a geek at heart, which is why I'm always messing around with stuff and playing with stuff and why I thought that having a show like this that, you know, helps us uh, geeks at heart kind of, you know, uh, commiserate together. <laughs> I guess yeah, you could I say, right? Agree more. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, you know, you are um, you're, you're a published author. You're a podcast host. You have your own podcast, which I want to make sure that you take some time to plug that as well, in case listeners want to want to subscribe. Uh, you're an instructor. You do you know online classes and stuff. Uh, you're you're a blogger. You write blog posts. You publish YouTube videos. You're like yeah. this uh, polymath of content creators, I guess you could say, right? Uh, creating sure. all these different things, but like just at a high level, like. How did you get here? Like, what what was the the path that brought you to this point? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. interesting when you look back on that. It seems like there's a lot of stuff, but it all kind of grew organically, um, if you will. It's it's almost like I feel like I could contribute to somebody's learning path or just sharing my experience. Um, the main thing about you know, I guess the turning point was you know publishing blogs and publishing books and so on that kind of grew it from there because it's kind of the same content, but just kind of regurgitated differently. 
but um, it's just I feel like I want to share my mistake, um, mainly you know success as well, but mistakes and just so other people feel like it's okay to make those mistakes. And it's yeah, it hurts to bump your head into the wall, but you know I survived and so can you. So don't be afraid to try new things. And that's the main thing. Uh, and uh, you know I'm pretty consistent about that message about just. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Uh, look at me. You know, I'm still here, and I made my share of uh, fair share of mistakes. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, for if if we're honest with ourselves, we've kind of all been there, right? <laughs> we've all <laughs> taken the wrong turn, or we've all yeah, sure. you know said the wrong thing sometimes, or made the yeah. wrong decision, whatever it is, right? Right. And um, while it's great to be successful when you do something, and obviously that's something we we all shoot for is to ultimately be successful and whatever it is that we are doing in life that brings us satisfaction and, and such um, it's, it's often through failing that we really, really learn, you know, you, yeah. you try out a new project or a new product, or, you know, you try to do something new and, and it doesn't go well. And you're like, okay, what did I do wrong? Let me try that again. You know? Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I really, I really, you know, appreciate the, the call out, um, there about like, you know, Hey, wanting to like contribute or help out to someone like, cause that's been a big driver yeah. for me. Right. When I started writing, um, uh, publishing on my blog in 2005 and it's hard to believe it's been that long, but I just, I was like, <laughs> if I, you know, had a question about this and, and needed help figuring out probably somebody else does too. So let me just write it and publish it somewhere. And then, you know, the rest has been from there. Yeah. I don't know about you, but don't you feel it's also a great way to keep track of your own notes it's almost like when you try enough the stuff, you start losing track. And sometimes um, I, I know this happened to you where, you know, you try to search for a con content and your your blog actually pops up. Right? <laughs> so it's like, it's a great way for us to keep track and to save somebody some of the road that like, they don't have to repeat those mistakes, right? So um, if uh, when I, I know when I was learning web frameworks, I, I try like Web2Pi, I try Django, I try Flask. And ultimately, I found that, you know, like this framework, Flask, was great for introductory and for beginners. And so that's that's where I started. It. And so if somebody was coming in and who does not have a preset, uh, you know, guidance or a preset idea about which framework to work, then you might as well take my advice and look at my blog and, and invent on your own, you know, elaborate on it and ideas build on each other. Yeah, it, it definitely is a good way of sort of keeping track of what you've learned over the years, right? And yeah. yes, it has happened where I, I'm like, oh, I, how do I do such and such again? And I go do a web search and I'm like, okay, duh, I wrote a blog post on that like, you know, seven years ago or something, <laughs> exactly. right? Whatever the case may be or or Thank what's you, even worse. Scott. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Or what's even worse, in my opinion, is when I go to start writing a blog post and then I'm like, you know, this sounds familiar. And then I go look and I've already written one. I'm like, oh. Dang it, never mind. So anyway. Thank God for search. <laughs> yes, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Ethan here, interrupting this podcast for a word from IT Pro TV. IT Pro TV is online technical training to help you start or grow your IT career. And what are those career options right now in 2022? Tons of them. For instance, cybersecurity with more than 500,000 open cybersecurity roles. You could become a cybersecurity professional with online training from IT Pro TV. Or maybe security is not your thing. No problem. IT Pro TV has you covered with all sorts of courses from across the IT spectrum from CompTIA and Cisco 
to EC Council and Microsoft. In fact, there are more than 5,800 hours of on-demand training presented to you by engaging hosts who deliver the information in a talk show-like format. The instructors are live every day with shows going studio to web in 24 hours. Courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role, so you can find whatever you're looking for easily. You can also learn from wherever you're at on whatever platform you like to consume media with. Stream IT Pro TV's courses live and on demand from anywhere via Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and get a great job with IT Pro TV. Visit itpro.tv full for 30% off all plans and use promo code full at checkout. That is itpro.tv full and use promo code full at checkout. One more time, itpro.tv full and then use that promo code full at checkout to save 30% off all plans. And now back to Full Snack Journey with Scott Lowe. Let's take into a little more detail, um, sort of in, in you know your your career history, some of the, the the changes and the transitions that you've made. You know, you started out in this sort of like classic network engineer role, right? And I say yeah. classic because you know I, among lots of others, feel like the the definition of what a network engineer is is changing, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm working with you know Matt Oswalt and Christian Adele on the second edition of the Network Programmability and Automation book. Yeah. Um, with O'Reilly and. And why I've talked about automation here, and why we've talked about network automation here, and all that kind of stuff, right? But, um, you know, you 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 went from there, and then you went to start to work, uh, and then you you went from that role, and then going to Amazon in the early days of cloud. Like, what prompted that yeah. change? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, that was a great book. I'm glad you, brought, you brought it up because you know, that was <laughs> one of the books that I often recommend to people if they're asked for, you know, what's the good introductory book? It's, you know, it covers both breadth and depth. And, you know, uh, I think first edition was Jason, you and Matt, right? So, you know, it's it a great book that covers a lot of stuff. I think it was well over 500 pages, if I remember correctly. So you get, you know, definitely get the, the bang of your buck. And so I look forward to the second edition for sure. Um. As far as just the you know moving from traditional network, I, I definitely agree with you as well. It's like I that's how I would classify network engineering. If you're like just doing a CLI and learning a technology, I went through the Cisco certification route. If you you know kind of more or less match that with the career growth growth, and that's how you get to the next step in my days of you know a growth into from you know network engineer senior network engineer. Um, moving into Amazon really was a good master plan like i had this vision no 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 not really <laughs> it was quite an accidental um i guess a happy accident where i ended up at amazon um that was the time when we moved to seattle for my wife's job so she was heavily recruited for for microsoft and uh, for me you know I, I needed a job amazon was hiring and boom there was <laughs> and um you know, like I say, it was quite quite a happy accident because there was no cloud back then. If you remember, two thousand six, Amazon barely survived the dot com bomb, right? Like I believe it was maybe two thousand five ish time frame that they finally turned a profit. So they were very much in the recovery mode. But during the recovery mode, they were already planning for the next stage. Where I think Werner Vogel was hired in as the CTO at two thousand three ish time frame. I want to say, and everything starts with API and Jeff. You know, obviously, they all have this idea of opening up. So I was lucky. It wasn't um, like there was this grand plan where I have the early stage. 
But what was obvious is once I, we, I arrived there, we all kind of knew this was something special. This was something in the beginning stage of this, um, this different thing. We, don't, we didn't know how big it was going to be. In fact, I think, um, in fact, uh, I think uh, Andy Jesse was the, uh, the, 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 I don't know, like GM or whatever his title was for AWS. And the thing that he stressed over and over in our hands was, you know, when Elasticsearch stopped becoming elastic, that is the death of the cloud. So, you know, we all knew this was something special, but we didn't know how to how to accommodate the growth. And like, we're all just kind of racing toward this goal of making it uh, a legitimate product. So uh, back to your original question, I kind of veered off a little bit, but it was just an accident. And Amazon was hiring and I was, I was there and, you know, uh, you know, glad to be in the early days of uh, AWS. Yeah, well, that is quite a quite a fortunate accident. I mean, that's uh, that was a big, uh, you know, big transition moment for yeah. for the industry. Uh, right. You know, we didn't a lot. Most everyone didn't realize it at the time. You know, S three is announced and EC two is announced, and and you're like, yeah. okay, yeah, that's great. You know, whatever. You know, and and but it was it was obviously a, you know a massive the start of something very very massive um, and 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 game changing for the industry. Yeah, for, yeah sure. for sure. So, so I, I think, think I joined August, August of 2006. So S3 was launched in March. Uh, you know, before then it was like Mechanical Turk or something like that, right? So right off the bat, S3 was driving the network growth substantially. And we had to do like direct peering with some of these providers, which was never never heard of before. You know, like usually direct peering happens between ISPs and cloud uh, and uh, ISPs and, you know, maybe second tiers. So we knew that. And then but we didn't know how big it was going to be until EC2 launched the next year. And when EC2 launched, that's really was the game changer. You launch, you have some kind of block storage, you have some kind of elastic computing, and boom, there it was. You know, it's like, oh my god, everything was was happening. But there was no cloud back then. It was just, uh, it was just elastic computing. There was no the term cloud. So if you if you can believe, like I would go to. Um, I would go to Nanak. I would have to explain to people what a cloud was. And people would look at me curiously, say, why do I want to put my information on your computer again? Like, what about security? Like, what about my neighbors, like, you know, jamming up the bandwidth? And I have to, like, you know, like, I just said all these other questions, like, what about security was the number one? And VPC came out, like, maybe a year after. So it was really just this interesting period where you're kind of driving this thing. We knew it was something special but we didn't know really like i want to stress that like, nobody knew at the time how big it was going to be and that was just uh, amazing growth yeah it's it's easy to see now in hindsight but yeah. when you're when you're in the middle of doing it you're just like okay we're just we're just doing the work like we're getting the thing done and we hope it's going to be successful <laughs> so that you know like we can pay our bills and stuff right um and you exactly. don't you don't often don't realize until much later on just how monumental that shift was and it's funny that you mentioned like having to explain to people like, you know, what it is that, that you were doing yeah. and that kind of thing. And it, it brought to mind a story. Um, and this was so um, like probably 2001. So earlier than, than this time frame. but, um, and I was just getting into, I was just getting into VMware uh, at the time. Mm. Right. And yeah. I had a, a coworker who's also a friend, had him over for dinner and I was telling him about, you know, virtualization and VMs and, carving up hardware. And he asked me something similar. He's like, he's like, why in the world would I do that? Right. You know, he's like, why would I put my data on your, on your computers again? Right. You're like, why yeah, in the world would I do that? And, right. uh, and it just, it's, it, it, you know, that, that incident has, has stuck with me over the years as 
VMware, you know, rocketed to, to massive success. But I think probably that also sticks for you is like now that cloud is like an actual thing and you don't need to really explain it to people, you know, thinking back right. to those early days when you were like, well, you know, here's why you would do that, right? Right. And it wasn't very mature technology. So I totally understand people's perspective. And um, yeah, but it's just, it was just like an interesting time. I mean, same thing kind of happened. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit, but the same thing happened when you know, I went to uh, uh, Microsoft and some of the other companies where people, even within the same team, they're like, hey, you're automating yourself out of a job. And I'm like, no, not really, right? Like, I mean, there's enough to do and it just offers you free up your time to do some other stuff. So I think it's always very easy to connect the dots afterwards. But when you're in there, um, you know, I think the running joke at the time when S3 was launched was just like, hey, you know, we'll just put in the cloud within within Amazon itself. It's just like, we'll put in the cloud because it was a joke because to everybody else, it was the cloud. To us, our power, space, consumption, cooling, you know, like rack and stack and physically connecting the ports. So um, yeah, like it's easy to connect the dots afterwards. And so as as you and I, you know, we grow older, we, we kind of overlay with some of the newer technologies nowadays, Right. And I think that's the useful part is where we could kind of find similarities and kind of sort out a little bit of a direction in amidst of the chaos. I don't know if you agree. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. I mean, it's, it, you know, when, when, when these things are emerging and they haven't, you know, sort of like really taken off, um, or even as they are taking off, but, you know, technology doesn't stand still, it just keeps going. And so you, you begin right. to learn. I, I talked some with this, with, uh, Former former colleague of mine, uh, Massimo, who's who's now at AWS, um, so about mm -hmm. picking up signals and like you know seeing things shift and yeah, kind of being yeah. like that's sort of the direction where I think things are heading, and then trying to make sure that you're you know using that to use that old phrase again, skating to where the puck will be, right? Um, so that you're yeah, ready to yeah, kind yeah. of capture that that transition, right? Um, well, but, yeah. well, but I do want to make sure that we get the rest of your story. So yeah, during your time at Amazon, in addition to like you know kind of like building the cloud, but not knowing how big it was going to be at the time, right? Uh, any any key takeaways? Like, what would you say was the big thing that you would take away from your time there, like that maybe shaped your career later? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, the thing that really, that really stood out and, and benefited me for the rest of my career was just this ability to learn and kind of looking inwards on how I learn. You know, it's not not any particular technology it is not a particular like, oh, you know, I saw MPLS and it was the best thing ever. It was just this this time because um, I think there were numerous books that written about Amazon, about Amazon being day one, every day is day one. And like Jeff pulls up an empty chair. This is the most important person in the room. This is the customer. Right. So I think those are to, to a degree is true. But they do promote um, internal learning. They do promote internal transferring. So even as I was there for about four and a half years, um, I was—I think I had maybe five different positions. So it's average on one position, less than one year per position, or something like that. And they're not all the same. They're in fact one of the positions was the business development. So um, they do promote you know, kind of lateral transfers or, you know, transfer different positions. And the biggest takeaway that I got was you want to be self-aware on how you learn, how do you get into a 
a, a space where you're out of your comfort zone? And how do you take that first step into making sense of this whole situation and make sure you're stepping in the right direction, making forward progress? And so for me, it was a lot of times when I need to go internally and say, how do I actually learn something new? Was it you know, like deliberate practice? Uh, how do I stay in this state of flow? Or how do I have a mindset where I stay positive, get motivated when I'm down and stuff like that? And that's different for everybody, right? So I encourage the listeners, if you're in that state, you know, um, go, go, maybe go read some of the well-written books, maybe go listen to some of the podcasts about people's career growth. And, you know, how do you stay positive? Just pick one topic and say, these are the stuff that other people have done. And let's overlay that to myself. And is it exercise? Is it listening to music? Is it to, you know, listening to podcasts, for example? And so all those soft skills and in particular, inward evaluation of myself, that was the biggest takeaway for me from Amazon days where, you know, I just throw into these different scenarios. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a great point. It's something I've, I've tried to call out throughout the history of the show, just recognizing that, you know, we all, uh, you know, are in technology field for a variety of reasons, but the reality is we yeah. are in the technology field. Right. Um, and the technology field doesn't stop. It doesn't, you know, just like decide, oh, okay, you know, okay, that's enough. I'm going to, I'm just going to yeah. stay where I am. You know, no, there's always something new. There's always something changing. It's always yeah. growing. And I firmly believe, and I think that your, you know, your advice and your experience probably supports this is like the, the number one skill that any IT professional can learn is learning effectively, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. learning how to learn, right? Is, right. is like the, is like the big, the big, big thing in my opinion, because then you're always prepared for whatever comes next, whatever that is. It doesn't matter what it right. is. You're always prepared right. for whatever comes next. So, um, so you were at Amazon for a few years um, and then you had mentioned already, so you switched over to Microsoft, right? Right. right. And um, I think it's around this time that you really started focusing a lot on Python and a lot more on network automation. Tell, tell right. us, you know, a little bit more about, about that experience and, and how, you know, how that, how that came to be. Sure. So obviously I, Amazon and, you know, um, AWS, I mean, back then it was just Amazon, right? There's, they don't, they, they couldn't separate. They don't, they didn't have to separate out of the business unit because it was less than 1 billion revenue and stuff like that. So, um, of course, there was automation back then, um, but they they had a set of ways and people who are doing the automation. So traditional network engineers were still very focused on their own role, and they do you know maybe a, a few times you know dabble into like Perl programming or some of the other stuff. So you were basically users and dabblers into network automation. But when I transitioned to Microsoft. Um, it was with a team was called the, it no longer exists, but it's global networking services. So it's GNS. And then within GNS, there are different teams that support different BUs. And for people who are not familiar with, you know, kind of large enterprise, it's kind of for a company as big as Microsoft, it's not just one company. It's maybe like seven or six different companies. There's Windows, Office, Xbox, you know, Bing and so on and so forth. So the team I was with was actually aligns ourselves with, automation within Bing. It's the autopilot team within Bing. And for that, we use networking. So it was kind of a big enough team where we have to have automation, uh, but it was small enough that or it was fast and fast moving enough that they didn't really care. <laughs> like whatever language you use, you just have to get it done, right? You have to survive to see the next day. 
so it was like a good chance for me to just go out and explore. Whereas maybe at Amazon, that there's a set rule, set way of doing things. You, there are guardrails, so you can't really fall off that guardrail. Whereas it was a greenfield almost at uh, Microsoft. Uh, it was a different time, right? Right now is a little bit different, but um, but it was during that time frame where I discovered Python, and that was really the biggest changing point for me. I tried to learn Pro, I tried to learn C Sharp, I tried to learn so these the, some of these other languages, and I just couldn't do it because they don't really fit the may, the way I think. Um, so you know, I think really was the biggest point was for me to go out and explore, kind of sample like the hello world for like 20 different languages and just kind of see which one fits better. And for me, it was Python. And that was the biggest changing point. And once I discovered that, it was just full speed ahead, right? Like I finally, it's like somebody who's drowning and found like a piece of piece of wood that I could hang on to. And uh, it was full, full speed ahead for me. And I never, I, you know, haven't looked back since then. That's, uh, that's an awesome story. Um, I just, you know, like you mentioned, uh, you know, it was it was Python partially because it just kind of matched your thought process, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, now, years later, right, yeah. Python is a leading choice for a lot of network automation because there's a, it's a pretty, you know, substantial library around of, of tools, you know, NetMiko and, and a variety of others, right? And, and folks yep, like Kurt yep. Byers, who's just the greatest guy, love him to death. Um, exactly. We had the chance to do some presentations together in years past. Um, but right. also folks like Matt, who's working on the book, and Jason Edelman, who worked on the first edition of the book, and yep. you know others, right? Uh, just uh, more names than you could possibly list off in the time we have allotted for the show. Um, <laughs> and and so you know, a lot of times when we t- start talking network automation, we kind of naturally start with with Python. But I guess right. years in years ago, that wasn't wasn't really the case, was it? No, it, it really wasn't. Right? It it was Perl. I mean, if you remember, like back then, it was really Perl. Um, I mean. We have people coming in from Global Crossing, we have people from, from level three, and internally they were all using Perl, and Perl was the dominant language. But for me, it's like, do you remember the the learning Perl book? It was like 150 pages, right? It was really thin, it was like a camel on the cover. And it feels like I will almost get into that hello state and I'll get so frustrated and I'll put it down. And then like two months later, I need to do something else. I need to pick it up again. I need to learn all these different syntax. And so it's almost like I'm, I'm taking one step forward, two steps back. So for me, that was the case. And um, I would just get so frustrated on, on that. And it never worked out for me. There, I think that that's a, that's a point to be made, right? Like, even if you come into the, the network automation world today, and you, you don't find Python that fits your brain of thinking, that's okay. There's, this feels big enough that you could find something probably that works best for you. If it's Go, great. If it's Perl, go for it, right? Like it's Java. I'm, you know, like, uh, I don't know, SDN controllers are written in Java. So so just go ahead and find, there's no religion here. Um, but for a lot of us, it's, it's Python. And I'll, I'll give you one example about Python that's different than Perl, right? Like, you know, all of us knew about the Zen of Python. If you go into interpreter, do like import this, you see the Zen of Python. What stood out for me and what really made a difference for me was um, in the Zen of Python, it states, ideally, there's one best way to do things, right? So essentially, if, you know, Scott, you and me are roughly the same level of Python and we're given the task and independently, we should come up with the same solution, right? Because that's one best thing to do things. Whereas Larry Wall in the Perl world, 
they advocate about there's more than one thing to do things. There's this artistic person who have who value expression that different differences in expression amongst different engineers. So to look at it as an art form, whereas maybe Guido look at it as more of a math, right? Like there's one best way to do things. And so those are two different approach to the same things. And for me, I I want to have the one best thing to do things so that you know it's easier to maintain codes, easier to recode, easier to communicate um, because that's what the language advocates. So I think that's kind of a, illustrate the difference between those on uh, you know differences in Python and Perl. I know I, I veer off a little bit, but the original question was, you know, what was the difference, right? Like you know that I started getting into automation. It was both the the freedom that I had as well as discovering Python and the Python fits my brain of thinking. Yeah, no, that, that's a, a, that's a great example sort of illustrating, you know, sort of foundational or fundamental differences between and thought processes between like, you know, Larry Wall and the others who created Perl and the people who yeah. created Python, right? I mean, like they're just, it's not that either one is better or worse. They're just different, exactly. right? Exactly. And different people think different ways. And so you might identify with Perl. I, like you, I tried to learn Perl back in the day and I was just like, uh-uh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, Did, thank you. Know, you. I wasn't, I wasn't the, the only, only one. <laughs> no, no, you're not the only one. Absolutely not. Um, so um, I seem to have settled in reasonably well with TypeScript and and Go, oh, but nice. we'll we'll see yeah. how that how that you know if it if it continues to change or not. But yeah, um, yeah. So that, that's that's cool. Um, I I had a question and I don't remember what it is, so we'll just move on. That's fine. Um, so continuing on, kind of you know following. So you you were at Amazon, you did some cool stuff there. You you went to Microsoft. You're working for Bing, um, and then. You know, you started getting into this idea of, you know, publishing classes and books and that sort of thing. And, right. and you know, I'm just curious, like, in that process, you know, what were some of the challenges that you faced? How, how did you address those? Because I think a lot of people, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. I think a lot of people might be interested in doing something like this, yeah. but they are afraid to take that step. Like, you know, maybe it's because it's, it's, they don't know what they don't know, right? Yeah. Or, you know, maybe they just feel like it's too hard. I don't know. But, you know, share with us, like... You know, as you started doing this sort of content creation and publishing classes and and doing books and you know writing blog posts, all that, what were some of the early challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think we touched on this a little bit. Where you know we're talking about how do I go come to this point, and I I mentioned things are kind of grow organically. So I think like you, Scott, I, I mean, I started writing blog. Uh, I think it was about like 2011 or something like that. So a little bit later than than you, but still doing it. Um, what I wanted to do was kind of to share my experience because I feel there was not enough content out there that advocates for people like me. And context matters, right? Like, I think that's absolutely true. It's like all of the stuff I saw were from uh, maybe the early days of data science. Maybe uh, there's a lot of web development for sure uh, in the Python ecosystem. But what I wanted was to, to start sharing, be the change I want to be. I want to start saying, hey, you know, Python could be used for network automation as well. And so I did that for uh, maybe like a year, two years. I, I want to say even four years that, you know, before one of the blog posts, I started to rank pretty high on Google. And then the, the publisher was like, hey, you know, this is uh, the software defined networking thing. Or, you know, uh, are you interested in, in writing a book about it? And the challenge I face, I think a lot of people or a lot of listeners listening uh, have this like this imposter syndrome, right? Who am I to write a book? Or, you know, is my voice valuable enough for others to like, who will stop and listen? That sort of stuff. And 
I want to tell you every day I wake up and I I still have that right. Like I'm every class that I do, every podcast show, it's like there's always butterfly in the stomach, and including this one, right? Like, um, I I went out and prepared just because I was I I had this nerve, right? Like this thing that I couldn't throw away. So I went in and say, okay, the best way to do that was by preparation, and I start writing down notes and think about what I was gonna talk about. Then I feel a little bit better. So I think this imposter syndrome, everybody has it. Maybe not not everybody shows it, but you know everybody is in the same boat. So um, I think the biggest challenge to overcome that is to think about your intention. Um, so I always come back that I, when I was writing the book or creating any kind of content, I always come back to my intention. And my intention was pure. You know, I just want to share my mistake, right? Like who's going to blame you for? Saying, hey, you know, don't make the same mistake I made, or you know, uh, I just want to help you. I want to see you become the best person you could be by not repeating the mistake or by following some of the example I did, so that you don't, instead of spending you know a couple of hours, you spend ten minutes and you get to where you want to be faster. So I think those are kind of the tools that I use for myself, and also back to what we we're talking about, right? You want to look internally and make sure you're doing this for the right reason.、Uh, I don't think any of us were doing the podcast or writing books for money. <laughs> money is not there, you know. FYI, you know, it's it's not equate to your effort.、Um, so you know, we're not doing it for money. And if your intention is pure, then what's there to be afraid of? At least that's what I tell myself. But you never get rid of this imposter syndrome or this this、uh, butterfly in your stomach whenever you're、uh, curating stuff or you're creating content. And my wife was my my、uh, my best witness to doing that. I get agitated <laughs> the night before podcast recording. Yeah, no, I mean you made some some great points there, and I think they a lot of them really really resonated with me because I can I can see a lot of them in my own sort of approach to things. But I think yeah, it is important. You know, like we're we're all going to feel at some point like you know, okay, what what are we doing here? Why are we here? Right? right. And I think the you know. You don't want to let that control you, obviously,、um, but you know you 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 kind of said it like we all have a value to add. We all have something we can share. We all have unique experiences. We've all made you know mistakes, but maybe not the same mistakes, right? So there's always something extra to add that is you know valuable, right? Right. And and we need to take that 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 feeling that you know butterflies in the stomach, that feeling like. You know, okay, I'm not.、Uh, you know, I don't. I don't belong here, right? And kind of use、right. that to drive us forward to say, okay, let's let's you know, let's really go knock this out of the park. You know, let's prepare and let's get all our ducks in a row and let's make sure this blog post is accurate. And I tested all the examples and you know, blah blah blah, whatever, right? Rather、yeah. than just throwing some reasons out. But I mean, it's just so it's so funny. Like things that I hear you mentioning are things that, like, I had discussions with people about. You know, kind of. Years ago,、um, there was a big—I don't know what to call it—like a discussion. I mean, there was a—you probably remember there was a, there was a point at which people started blogging, and they were they were blogging simply because there was a bunch of people doing that, and it was becoming very popular, right? And people were、like、getting building a personal, personal brand. brand, yeah, yeah, quote、right. unquote, yeah. yeah, but but people were like. I went out and started blogging. A year later, I got this great job, and so then, you know, somebody <laughs> else says, "Well, I'm going to start blogging because I want a great job," you know. And so there was this whole discussion around, like, you know, why are you blogging, and what makes、uh, somebody who's been blogging for a long time like why do they keep doing it, and and, and、right. like how if you're going if you're thinking about doing it, why like how do you maintain that you know that that drive to do it, right? And and your your point about 
looking at the intention and what you're really trying to do it and the right reason, you know, these are all things yep. that we talked about, like blogging for the right reason. I think I even have a post called blogging for the right reasons. I don't know. <laughs> right? It's nice. hard to say. It probably is. I don't know. Um, but well, it was certainly something right that came up. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. certainly a topic that came up. Right. And so yeah. it, it's just funny to hear you, to hear you mention that, but it is accurate. I mean, it, it is fair. Like if you're going to be doing things like writing blog posts or even writing books, right. Writing a book is a ton of work. Like it, yeah. it's just, it's just a ton of work. And, um, you know, you have to think about why you're doing it and, and what your reasons are and, you know, are those the right reasons? Right. And, yeah. and, and yes, unlike, you know, bestsellers who sell millions of copies and make money, you know, tech books, they don't sell that many. So there really isn't any. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Jake, Jake, <laughs> is looking at us like, what, how many, how many copies <laughs> again? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, you yeah. poor people. Anyway. Yeah, um, I know. It was like, like, oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah. go ahead. But, yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a good point to bring out is like, you know, look, uh, you, you know, a lot of people are going to feel like they don't belong. Like, you know, it's, it's not something that they're worthy of doing or whatever, but, um, it is important to share your perspective, to share your experience. Um, and you can bring something unique to the industry. I'll, I'll share one more story and then we'll, we'll start wrapping up. But like in the early days of sort of the, um, I don't know the ecosystem around VMware, um, and, 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 you know, blogging was a kind of a new thing at that point. Like it wasn't super common. And this whole idea of influencers and influencer marketing was like not a thing, right? Nobody had yeah. heard of that, whatever, right? But, right. you know, there was a few folks at VMware who kind of realized like, hey, there's these people out there and they are, you know, essentially raving fans of our product, you know, like, why don't we engage with them and and that kind of thing, right? And, right. Um, and so... Um, there's all these people, some of them hugely talented folks in the virtualization space who are, who are sharing information, sharing content. And, and I asked the question at one point, I was like, you know, hey, I'm thinking about writing a blog post on, you know, blah. It's like, but, but you know, so-and-so already has one and so-and-so over there already has one and so-and-so over there. It's like, why should I, like, why would I do that? Like, you know, what's the point, right? And I had somebody right. tell me, like, the same thing I just mentioned, and that is, like, your viewpoint, your perspective, your experience... And the way you as an individual phrase it and see it and explain it might be the one thing that somebody needs. Like they may have read those three other blog posts and it did just didn't click with them. Like, right. like Pearl not clicking with you and I, right? It just didn't click with them. But then the yeah. way you explain it might be that one that does click with them. And then they look at it and they go, oh, that's what it means. And that and right. that's that's the thing, like, you know, that's why it's valuable. Even if you feel like there's too many people in an already crowded market, you know, for whatever content, there's still value to be had if you are really seeking to try and help others and and make a difference, right, in 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 other people's lives and in the industry. So, yeah, for sure, I think you know context matters, right? Like because you want to see people in the same, you you need to see people solving a problem in the same context, and uh, if it's yeah, it's maybe you're doing the same thing. It's the same loop that you're doing, but it's in the web development context. That's very different than network engineering. Like if you're just even seeing the host name, yeah, you're modifying the host name. I mean, that matters. And that's why I think uh, you mentioned Kirk uh, and um, uh, many others, right? Like Jason starting Network to Code and you at VMware doing a lot of uh, advocating for, for developers. I think context matters. Like, you know, you, you, you're uniquely positioned as being you. So you do you <laughs> and you you 
go ahead and voice your opinion. Like, what's the worst that could happen, right? It's just shouting into the void doesn't matter, right? Like you, you, you control what you can control and makes you happy and do whatever makes you happy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so as we're ra- wrapping up, um, sure. I want to give you the opportunity, like any final, you know, pearls of wisdom that you'd like to leave with the uh, listeners, you know, um, you know, lessons learned or you know, whatever. Um, uh, and then, and then we'll wrap up and we'll let you, uh, once again, kind of share, you know, uh, contact information stuff in case people want to connect with you online. Sure. I, I like that. It's got a pearls of wisdom. And as we're talking about Pearl, right? <laughs> Python's where I don't <laughs> That's know. That's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, I think there's no like good wisdoms from me. I'm just a normal dude. But what I would say is what helped me the most in my career is always try to move forward, make forward progress, even with small steps. So every day I would, you know, I kind of do this reflection and say, what did I do today? What kind of value do I bring to the world today? And if I could just mark one thing, it wasn't like, you know, something, you know, cure cancer, whatever, right? That sure didn't happen. But even if I just, you know, made someone's day a little bit better, where I made, I wrote, you know, 500 words on my blog, or, you know, I, I recorded another video or recorded another podcast, those kind of the small steps will prepare for an interview today, right? Like today, on my list, you would say, you know, I, I recorded this great podcast with Scott and I met this great person who's in the industry. So I think making forward progress in small steps, um, that is that helped me. And if it, you know, hopefully if you adapt it and it helps you, great. If you know you're making forward progress or something else that helps you in your career growth in some other ways, all the power to you. But for me, is making forward progress in small steps. Yeah, that's that's great. My wife and I have a saying that we have done this for years um as we have you know progressed on along you know our years of raising kids and and all that kind of jazz right um nice is uh slow and steady plotting yeah <laughs> just put one one foot in front of the other just keep yeah. going right doesn't feel yeah. like you're making progress but you keep just tackling one one more step one more step just keep going and before yeah. you know it you're you, you've reached your destination right or you've made yeah. progress on your on your destination yeah, focus, focus, focus on, on your, your step ahead. Right? I, don't I don't know, know if, if you run or if you, you know, so, so when I, I, you know, I had back, back surgery, surgery a few years ago. And one, one way, way that, that for me to back back. In, to go back into physical shape was to do like uh, having a goal of, say, triathlon and stuff like that. And what you really need to focus on just the next step forward. And like you said, right, like 3,000 steps later, then you're, you actually did that. Yep, absolutely. All right. So as we close up, um, you want to just share with the listeners again? Uh, sort of, you know, where they can find you online? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at E-R-I-C-C-H-O-U, really short, my full name, and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm, you know, I'm really open to connect with different people. And uh, so those are the two, two best ways to find me on social, uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, likewise. Been a, been a fantastic conversation. And I think there's lots of uh, useful information that listeners will be able to get out of this as they think about how they can, you know, make forward progress in their own careers as well. So thanks so much, Eric, for being on. I really appreciate it. Uh, that is it for this episode, listeners. We want to thank you again for joining me, Scott Lowe, for another episode of the Full Stack Journey and for having Eric on. Um, as always, I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode or any episode of the podcast. So don't re- hesitate to reach out to me. I'm always open to uh, people, you know, wanting to send feedback or connect with me or whatever the case may be. Uh, you can uh, use the podcast Twitter account at FSJ Podcast on Twitter, uh, but you're also welcome just to use my personal handle at Scott underscore Low on Twitter. Either way, 
Uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, would love to connect with you. Would love to uh, you know share uh, information with you. And uh, again, really appreciate you being a listener. This is the Full Stack Journey Podcast, where too much learning is never enough. 